Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story. This is Chelsea, and I'm here today with Mandy, and we are in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, reading about these kings of Judah, well, the king of Judah especially, in this passage. Um, we kind of got away from Jehu, which is the king of Israel, right? I believe so. Yeah. Honestly, I am getting very confused. <laughs> Jumping back and forth is a little confusing. Yeah. <laughs> but we kind of get introduced to Joash, but he has an interesting start to his reign. Seven years old. Yeah. Well, and, and you had made a good point, like, cause, because he was um, set aside when he was a baby, the sister of... Ahaziah. Yeah. She, like, all, all the rest of the kids were being killed. Do we know why? Um, I think, well, I think Jehu was doing it. He was executing all of Ahaziah's relatives who oh, were with him. Okay. So I bet she was not with him. Okay. As a woman. <laughs> Got it. So she did something significant. <laughs> yeah. So she stole um, Joash and hid him and his nurse in a bedroom. And you were saying how that was very similar to, like, what Miriam did with yeah. Moses. Um, and that's like the only mention of this heroine. Yeah. She does this great thing and then gets nothing else. I know. <laughs> I was just thinking that, so he was made king when he was seven and well, Athaliah, his grandmother, I guess. Yeah. She's awful. It appears, but I'm just thinking <laughs> Titus is about to turn six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would he, would he make a good king? <laughs> this is off the record. He'll never hear this. I mean, no. <laughs> He's very dramatic. Yeah, so Chelsea and I were doing the math on how old King Joash was because all of the leaders came to him after they took all this time to rebuild the Lord's temple and said, like, hey, can we can we worship the Asherah poles instead? And I was wondering, like, wait a second, are they asking a seven-year-old how they should, like, conduct themselves spiritually? I mean, if you want to get what you want, ask a seven-year-old. Ask, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but we did the math. It took us a very long time. Yeah, an embarrassing amount of time. We think he may have been between the ages of 22 and 49. <laughs> closest we can get. But what's crazy is that as soon as Jehoiada, this really great guy that's actually buried in the city of David, which I think is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. He's Seems a priest. Like he's not a king. But he's buried with the kings. Um, he does all this like great stuff for the Lord and influences Joash. But as soon as he dies, Joash is like, yeah, sure. Let's do some Asherables. Man. And this seems like, and, and he talks about, you know, so what's his name? Joash. He wants to restore the Lord's temple while all of the idols and shrines still exist. So in the midst of all of that, he's restoring the Lord's temple. And it just seems like this is a common theme over and over and over again. Um, like sometimes God gives the instruction, like, oh, wipe out everything, get rid of all the idols. And everybody mm-hmm. gets rid of like 92% uh-huh. of them. And then they, you know, they, so they're doing the right thing, but still in the midst of not fully doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so this seems to be a common theme. And I think it's still a common theme for all of us today of like, you know, I'm sure, I don't know if I've told the story in here before, but like my, my first memory of this for me, um, this half obedience is in eighth grade when I was chewing gum and I chew it like it's my job. So it's like not even like cool. It's just like, I'm chewing so (laughs) aggressively um, so my health teacher saw it and she told me to spit it out. So I spit out half of it, but I continued to aggressively chew it like a real dumb dumb. <laughs> and so she saw me and gave me detention because I didn't fully obey. I was a straight A student and like not a kid who ends up in detention. And so I ended up in detention for chewing a half a piece of gum, which is so stupid. <laughs> it's not worth it is what you're saying? <laughs> not worth it. And also not a great story to tell everybody else who's in detention for like cutting someone or like doing drugs in the bathroom. It's like, yo, I chewed a half a piece of gum. <laughs> 
Anyway, my point is, I don't think that this is just isolated to the Israelites. I think there's always the temptation to obey the Lord in the midst of still not quite fully obeying. Yeah. And the Lord does not ask for half obedience. No, he doesn't. (laughs) And we see, I mean, we see the result of that. I mean... Over and, and over again. And the result is, isn't is as much, I think, about the... It's not as much about, like, did you follow the rules? Right. God's always asking you to obey because it matters for your soul. And I think the result, as we saw with David over and over and over again, is that your soul's in turmoil when you do half obedience. Like, you literally actually just live in misery. Right. And it's not actually... Even for us today, it's not actually being a disciple of Christ when we're doing it, in, like, with half obedience. Yeah. Because the closer you get to Christ, the closer in discipleship that you get to him, the more you're like, Oh, it's actually not about me. Yeah. And a lot of times for me, I learned the hard way of just like, Oh, (laughs) this half obedience thing. I made it about me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I'm so grateful for the Holy spirit Mm -hmm. that just does it, that never leaves my side, never leaves me in those moments of when I am doing the half obedience thing, the Holy spirit gently, but consistently Mm -hmm. like, prods me. And I think that's a good sign. If you are uneasy about your half obedience, Mm -hmm. that is a great sign. Mm -hmm. Not that, because I think it would be unrealistic to believe, okay, one day I'll just obey fully all the time, every single time. That's unrealistic. Like our default setting. Right. We're still human. Yeah. Is, is human and sin. And, And so when we actually walk in full obedience, that's like a huge victory. And I think you can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit, first of all. But second of all, like, I think the good news is like the marker is that like, are you actually hearing the Holy Spirit? Are you following the promptings of when you do get off track? Do you listen to that voice that's Mm -hmm. always there and guiding us? And anyway, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I see this, this theme over and over and over and over and over again here in the old Testament. Now they didn't have the Holy Spirit like we have. Sorry, guys. Yeah, they just they didn't, and that's a bummer. But they did have prophets. Yeah, and they did have priests like Jehoiada yeah. that were, like, actually following the Lord. Yeah. Um, and it's a real bummer because Joash eventually kills Jehoiada's son, Zechariah. And yeah, I'm and why thinking, does he do it again? Well, I can't I'm, remember. I'm looking at this passage. So after Jehoiada dies, the leaders of Judah come and bow before King Joash and persuade him to listen to their advice. When I read that, I think flattery. And then I read what Zachariah says, who's like, hey, why are you doing this? Like, this is what the Lord says. And it goes against everything that Joash is doing. I think someone's standing up to him and not flattering him or like making him look good, but actually challenging him. Yeah. And he kills him. Yeah. Because perhaps he felt convicted and yeah. he and like Probably. didn't like that feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, he's been reading this whole time with Jehoiada instructing him and advising him and stuff. So I'm sure, I'm sure he was like, this is actually not the right thing to do. Yeah. But instead he did just did another not right thing to do. So he kills Zechariah. <laughs> right. Who was, wait, he's the son of, oh, he's Jehoida. the son of Jehoida, the guy that helped him so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is terrible, everybody. <laughs> just This just in. <laughs> this is really sad news. Right. And look, what we were saying before we actually started recording this portion was that these kings that we keep seeing over and over again, whether they are described as good kings when they die or bad kings when they die, um, they're still not the king, which is Jesus Christ. And what you were saying is just like, oh, it all points to Jesus. Yeah, it's why is he why he is such a well, obviously he's perfect, but like why he's such an amazing king. Because right. no one was getting it right. Right. Even the people that did wonderful things. Right. There's no there was no one for the people of Israel to look at and be like, Yeah, we want a king like that. Or like, yeah, this guy did it right. Even for the people 
in Jesus's time to look back and be like, he's so much better than all these other kings. And I think for us today, I was just having a conversation yesterday about like how I can't be everything to my children. Mm -hmm. I actually don't have the corner market on the best thing and the best way to keep my kids on the straight and narrow to give them a great life, all of that. Like, Mm -hmm. actually that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at that today, yeah, like even if I'm a great mom, even if I do really great things, even if I actually did let them make slime yesterday and I have a no slime policy, but mom of the year award, yeah, it's the actual (laughs) worst. But even if I do really cool things, like it doesn't matter because I'm not Jesus and I can do a lot of great things in my life as a mom or whatever, but I'm still very flawed. Yeah. You're still falling short. Everyone yeah. is still falling short. Yeah. And so the, the cool redemptive, like hopeful thing I have is like, yeah, but, but we have Jesus mm-hmm. and he gets to show up for my kids in a way that I never could. Mm-hmm. And that like eases a burden for me yeah. that like, I don't have to do it all. And I can believe that God is always, always, always devising a plan to bring his children back to him because that's what scripture says. Mm -hmm. So I know he's always in pursuit of my children and I know he's the perfect king. And that makes me feel really hopeful. Yeah, that's good. Great to end this awful reading (laughs) of people just dying. (laughs) You know what I can do? Take nothing and turn it into something. (laughs) Guys, thanks so much for listening today. Thanks for listening to God's whole story. We hope you are just learning more and more about um, God and history from the beginning to the very end. And man, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Second Kings chapter 11, starting in verse one. When Athaliah, the mother of King Ahaziah of Judah learned that her son was dead, she began to destroy the rest of the Royal family. But Ahaziah's sister, Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram took Ahaziah's infant son, Joash, and stole him away from among the rest of the king's children who were about to be killed. She put Joash and his nurse in a bedroom, and they hid him from Athaliah so the child was not murdered. Joash remained hidden in the temple of the Lord for six years while Athaliah ruled over the land. Second Chronicles 22, starting in verse 10. When Athaliah, the mother of King Ahaziah of Judah, learned that her son was dead, she began to destroy the rest of Judah's royal family. But Ahaziah's sister, Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Ahaziah's infant son, Joash, and stole him away from from among the rest of the king's children who were about to be killed. She put Joash and his nurse in a bedroom. In this way, Jehosheba, wife of Jehoiada, the priest and sister of Ahaziah, hid the child so that Athaliah could not murder him. Joash remained hidden in the temple of God for six years while Athaliah ruled over the land. Second Kings chapter 11, starting in verse four. In the seventh year of Athaliah's reign, Jehoiada the priest summoned the commanders, the Karite mercenaries, and the palace guards to come to the temple of the Lord. He made a solemn pact with them and made them swear an oath of loyalty there in the Lord's temple. Then he showed them the king's son. Jehoiada told them, this is what you must do. A third of you who are on duty on the Sabbath are to guard the royal palace itself. Another third of you are to stand guard at the sore gate. And the final third must stand guard behind the palace guard. These three groups will all guard the palace. The other two units who are off duty on the Sabbath must stand guard for the king at the Lord's temple. Form a bodyguard around the king and keep your weapons in hand. Kill anyone who tries to break through. Stay with the king wherever he goes. So the commanders did everything as Jehoiada the priest ordered. The commanders took charge of the men reporting for duty that Sabbath, as well as those who were going off duty. They brought them all to Jehoiada the priest, and he supplied them with the spears and small shields that had once belonged to King David and were stored in the temple of the Lord. The palace guards stationed themselves around the king with their weapons ready. They formed a line from the south side of the temple around 
around to the north side and all around the altar. Then Jehoiada brought out Joash, the king's son, placed the crown on his head, and presented him with a copy of God's laws. They anointed him and proclaimed him king, and everyone clapped their hands and shouted, Long live the king! Second Chronicles 23, starting in verse 1. In the seventh year of Athaliah's reign, Jehoiada the priest decided to act. He summoned his courage and made a pact with five army commanders, Azariah, son of Jeroham, Ishmael, son of Jehoanan, Azariah, son of Obed, Masiah, son of Adiah, and Elishaphat, son of Zikri. These men traveled secretly throughout Judah and summoned the Levites and clan leaders in all the towns to come to Jerusalem. They all gathered at the temple of God, where they made a solemn pact with Joash, the young king. Jehoiada said to them, Here is the king's son. The time has come for him to reign. The Lord has promised that a descendant of David will be our king. This is what you must do. When you priests and Levites come on duty on the Sabbath, a third of you will serve as gatekeepers. Another third will go over to the royal palace, and the final third will be at the foundation gate. Everyone else should stay in the courtyards of the Lord's temple. Remember, only the priests and Levites on duty may enter the temple of the Lord, for they are set apart as holy. The rest of the people must obey the Lord's instructions and stay outside. You Levites, form a bodyguard around the king and keep your weapons in hand. Kill anyone who tries to enter the temple. Stay with the king wherever he goes. So the Levites and all the people of Judah did everything as Jehoiada the priest ordered. The commanders took charge of the men reporting for duty that Sabbath, as well as those who were going off duty. Jehoiada the priest did not let anyone go home after their shift ended. Then Jehoiada supplied the commanders with the spears and the large and small shields that had once belonged to King David and were stored in the temple of God. He stationed all the people around the king with their weapons ready. They formed a line from the south side of the temple around to the north side and all around the altar. Then Jehoiada and his sons brought out Joash, the king's son, placed the crown on his head and presented him with a copy of God's laws. They anointed him and proclaimed him king and everyone shouted, long live the king. 2 Kings 11, starting in verse 13. When Athaliah heard the noise made by the palace guards and the people, she hurried to the Lord's temple to see what was happening. When she arrived, she saw the newly crowned king standing in his place of authority by the pillar, as was the custom at times of coronation. The commanders and trumpeters were surrounding him, and people from all over the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. When Athaliah saw this, she tore her clothes in despair and shouted, "'Treason! Treason!' Then Jehoiada the priest ordered the commanders who were in charge of the troops, take her to the soldiers in front of the temple and kill anyone who tries to rescue her. For the priest had said she must not be killed in the temple of the Lord. So they seized her and led her out to the gate where horses enter the palace grounds and she was killed there. Second Chronicles 23, starting at verse 12. When Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and the shouts of praise to the king, she hurried to the Lord's temple to see what was happening. When she arrived, she saw the newly crowned king standing in his place of authority by the pillar at the temple entrance. The commanders and trumpeters were surrounding him and people from all over the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. Singers with musical instruments were leading the people in a great celebration. When Athaliah saw all this, she tore her clothes in despair and shouted, treason, treason. Then Jehoiada the priest ordered the commanders who were in charge of the troops, take her to the soldiers in front of the temple and kill anyone who tries to rescue her. For the priests had said she must not be killed in the temple of the Lord. So they seized her and led her out to the entrance of the horse gate on the palace grounds, and they killed her there. Second Kings chapter 11, starting in verse 17. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they would be the Lord's temple. He also made a covenant between the king and the people, and all the people of the land went over to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They demolished the altars and smashed the idols to pieces, and they killed Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. 
Jehoiada the priest stationed guards at the temple of the Lord. Then the commanders, the Karite mercenaries, the palace guards, and all the people of the land escorted the king from the temple of the Lord. They went through the gate of the guards and into the palace, and the king took his seat on the royal throne. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was peaceful because Athaliah had been killed at the king's palace. Joash was seven years old when he became king. Second Chronicles 23, starting in verse 16. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself and the king and the people that they would be the Lord's people. And all the people went over to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They demolished the altars and smashed the idols, and they killed Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. Jehoiada now put the priests and Levites in charge of the temple of the Lord, following all the directions given by David. He also commanded them to present burnt offerings to the Lord as prescribed by the law of Moses and to sing and rejoice as David had instructed. He also stationed gatekeepers at the gates of the Lord's temple to keep out those who for any reason were ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. Then the commanders, nobles, rulers, and all the people of the land escorted the king from the temple of the Lord. They went through the upper gate and into the palace, and they seated the king on the royal throne. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was peaceful because Athaliah had been killed. Second Kings 12, beginning in verse 1. Jerash began to rule over Judah in the seventh year of King Jehu's reign in Israel. He reigned in Jerusalem forty years. His mother was Zibiah from Beersheba. All his life, Joash did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight because Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Yet even so, he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. One day, King Joash said to the priests, Collect all the money brought as a sacred offering to the Lord's temple, whether it is a regular assessment, a payment of vows, or a voluntary gift. Let the priests take some of that money to pay for whatever repairs are needed at the temple. But by the 23rd year of Joash's reign, the priests had still not repaired the temple. So King Joash called for Jehoiada and the other priests and asked them, Why haven't you repaired the temple? Don't use any more money for your own needs. From now on, it must all be spent on temple repairs. So the priests agreed not to accept any more money from the people, and they also agreed to let others take responsibility for repairing the temple. Then Jehoiada the priest bored a hole into the lid of a large chest and set it on the right-hand side of the altar at the entrance of the temple of the Lord. The priest guarding the entrance put all the people's contributions into the chest. Whenever the chest became full, the court secretary and the high priest counted the money that had been brought to the Lord's temple and put it into bags. Then they gave the money to the construction supervisors who used it to pay the people working on the Lord's temple, the carpenters, the builders, the masons, and the stone cutters. They also used the money to buy the timber and the finished stone needed for repairing the Lord's temple, and they paid any other expenses related to the temple's restoration. The money brought to the temple was not used for making silver bowls, lamp snuffers, basins, trumpets, or other articles of gold or silver for the temple of the Lord. It was paid to the workmen who used it for the temple repairs. No accounting of this money was required from the construction supervisors because they were honest and trustworthy men. However, the money that was contributed for the guilt offerings and sin offerings was not brought into the Lord's temple. It was given to the priests for their own use. Second Chronicles 24, beginning in verse 1. Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem forty years. His mother was Zibiah from Beersheba. Joash did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight throughout the lifetime of Jehoiada the priest. Jehoiada chose two wives for Joash, and he had sons and daughters. At one point, Joash decided to repair and restore the temple of the Lord. He summoned the priests and Levites and gave them these instructions. 
Go to all the towns of Judah and collect the required annual offerings so that we can repair the temple of your God. Do not delay. But the Levites did not act immediately. So the king called for Jehoiada the high priest and asked him, Why haven't you demanded that the Levites go out and collect the temple taxes from the towns of Judah and from Jerusalem? Moses, the servant of the Lord, levied this tax on the community of Israel in order to maintain the tabernacle of the covenant. Over the years, the followers of wicked Athaliah had broken into the temple of God, and they had used all the dedicated things from the temple of the Lord to worship the images of Baal. So now the king ordered a chest to be made and set outside the gate leading to the temple of the Lord. Then a proclamation was sent throughout Judah and Jerusalem, telling the people to bring to the Lord the tax that Moses, the servant of God, had required of the Israelites in the wilderness. This pleased all the leaders and the people, and they gladly brought their money and filled the chest with it. Whenever the chest became full, the Levites would carry it to the king's officials. Then the court secretary and an officer of the high priest would come and empty the chest and take it back to the temple again. This went on day after day, and a large amount of money was collected. The king and Jehoiada gave the money to the construction supervisors who hired masons and carpenters to restore the temple of the Lord. They also hired metal workers who made articles of iron and bronze for the Lord's temple. The men in charge of the renovation worked hard and made steady progress. They restored the temple of God according to its original design and strengthened it. When all the repairs were finished, they brought the remaining money to the king and Jehoiada. It was used to make various articles for the temple of the Lord, articles for worship services and burnt offerings, including ladles and other articles made of gold and silver. And the burnt offerings were sacrificed continually in the temple of the Lord during the lifetime of Jehoiada the priest. Jehoiada lived to be a very old age, finally dying at 130. He was buried among the kings of the city of David because he had done so much good in Israel for God and his temple. But after Jehoiada's death, the leaders of Judah came and bowed before King Joash and persuaded him to listen to their advice. They decided to abandon the temple of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and they worshipped Asherah poles and idols instead. Because of this sin, divine anger fell on Judah and Jerusalem. Yet the Lord sent prophets to bring them back to him. The prophets warned them, but still the people would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, son of Jehoiada the priest. He stood before the people and said, This is what God says. Why do you disobey the Lord's commands and keep yourselves from prospering? You have abandoned the Lord, and now he has abandoned you. The leaders plotted to kill Zechariah, and King Joash ordered that they stone him to death in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. That was how King Joash repaid Jehoiada for his loyalty, by killing his son. Zechariah's last words as he died were, May the Lord see what they are doing and avenge my death. Second Kings 10, beginning in verse 32. At about that time, the Lord began to cut down the size of Israel's territory. King Heziel conquered several sections of the country east of the Jordan River, including all of Gilead, Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh. He conquered the area from the town of Aror by the Arnon Gorge to as far north as Gilead and Bashan. The rest of the events in Jehu's reign, everything he did and all his achievements are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehu died, he was buried in Samaria. Then his son, Jehoaz, became the next king. In all, Jehu reigned over Israel from Samaria for 28 years. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. 
You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.